0: Josh, thank you so much for leading us in communion with those powerful words. Words are powerful. They are full of power. I want to paint a contrast of different ways that words are powerful and uh, many of our experiences, if not all of us, experience these at, at different levels. Words are powerful as a child. Words like, son, I am proud of you. You did an amazing job. That was a beautiful piece of art. You received an A. Or he likes you or she likes you. Or you're ugly. No one likes you or you didn't make the cut. Words are powerful in romantic relationship. Words like, I love you. Will you marry me? I'm sorry, that was, that was foolish of me. Please forgive me. What can I do to make things right? Or, I'm done. I'm sick of this. And I can't do this anymore. I want out. We're getting a divorce. Words are powerful at work and at the workplace. You did an amazing job. We'd like to offer you that promotion. You do such wonderful work. You're a great part of the team. We'd like to give you a raise. Or, we're making some adjustments and we're consolidating some departments and we're talking about furloughs and we're talking about layoffs, which the majority of us are being affected by currently. Words are powerful when it comes to health, like, congratulations, it's a girl. Or that surgery could not have went smoother, it was textbook. You are cancer free or the test came back positive. I'm sorry. They didn't make it or we're not hearing a heartbeat. Words are powerful. Words are full of power and our lives are riddled with those on the joys and successes. It's part of being human and the pain points as well, and my heart aches as I think of those phrases and those words being said and those experiences behind them. And I know you do too, as those things prompt your own words and powerful words that you have heard, that you have said, that you've had to say and experience. James knew that. James knew words were powerful, and God knew Words were powerful. He designed the tongue. As Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's very real. As we continue on in our Faith Works sermon series, we continue on in studying James, and we're going to go to the book of James, chapter 3, and read 1 through 12. And what we're going to do here is do a tongue examination. James wants to examine your tongue and see how your faith is working. With medical professionals, uh, they examine your tongue. How many of you have had your tongue examined numerous times, right? And they, they might grab your tongue with that little cloth and, or, or uh, flatten your tongue out, and they make you say, ah, and they assess. They check out what your tongue says about your physical health because your physical tongue reveals things about your physical health. And they examine the, uh, the normalcy of it or uh, the abnormalities. abnormalities. Um, if there's discoloration or if there's uh, abnormal odors or if there's spots, your tongue says something about you. And about what's going on inside you physically. And the same is true with you spiritually. And James is examining your tongue to see what's going on inside. And what does that say about your walk and your relationship with God? So, with that, let's get in. Open up and say, ah. James 3, 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. And if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. is set among other members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's our passage that we're looking at. What I want to do with it is, like when you're skipping a stone across water, we're going to skim the surface a few times in order to sink deeper on some of the more weightier uh, passages here. So we're going to skim the surface on, on these first few so that we can sink deeper on the weightier ones. Not many of you should become teachers my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. James is saying, those of you that have a position of authority, there is a responsibility there. Of uh, Those that have influence over others in leading and guiding them spiritually with who God says he is and with what God actually says, we will be judged more strictly. And he says, we, those that are teaching others and leading and guiding and influencing others spiritually, there's, there's a weight, there's a sobering weight that should be felt, there is a reverence that we should walk in, and it should cause us to be cautious. It should slow us down in asking the question, is this true? Is this actually true of who God is? Is this actually true of what he says? Very important because how we lead others determines the direction that they go with it. This is who God is. No, he's not like that as much. This is what God calls us to no, he doesn't call us to that. No, it doesn't actually say that. No, this is the interpretation of that. And so there's a weight. For those that use your tongue, your tongue to influence others in who God is and what God actually says, no, there is some weight to that. So that's the first skip. The second skim is this. It's a big, big, bit deeper and weightier. He says in verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. So check this out. So James, if you remember, the half-brother of Jesus, grew up with Jesus, watched Jesus in all of his interactions and uh, as he was younger, as much as he could with his older brother, and watched him and saw the perfection of Jesus. And he concluded, I'm telling you guys, we all, the rest of us, stumble in many ways. Stumble in many ways. So I'm curious for you, with you, what's your self-assessment of how much you stumble And in what ways you stumble. How aware are you? How self-aware are you of your stumblings? One of the questions that might help us in processing this would be, um, when was the last time you had to apologize to someone? Or when was the last time that you chose to apologize to someone? Think about it. When was the last time? If you're having a hard time thinking of the last time, you're probably due. If you have on your dashboard of your car the little oil indicator that it's time to change your oil or you haven't checked it and it's overdue, that becomes a problem. James is saying, We all stumble in many ways. That is leveling the playing field. It's true for all of us. We are imperfect human beings. Acknowledge that. And he's called us to relationship, to work out our faith together, and we desperately need one another to help each other in that. And we all stumble in many ways. So what does it look like for you in repairing relationship at some of these times? When was the last time you went back and repaired? If you haven't recently, whatever that time is, you're probably overdue because we all stumble in many ways. He continues on in in finishing verse two there. He says, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. And if you have any questions about what that means, uh, don't worry. Our lead pastor, Scott Harris, will be up next week, and he will clear any biblical questions that you have. So come ready, put them in the chat, and he will clear up any of those. So my attempt in explaining that is we all stumble in many ways, but for those that, and there's a bit to it, but for those that, uh, submit themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, who walk in his ways. Though we're not perfect, we are not sinless, we, as we follow God, we do control our body. And I have this image here uh, that our, our digital worship arts team produced for us, and it's a picture of your heart, and what you store in your heart leads to your mind, and your mind is central control. You choose what to focus in on, what to uh, emphasize, what to dwell on, take thoughts captive, make them obedient to Christ. uh, It's mission control and what you let into your heart and what you keep out. And then there is your tongue. It is the gatekeeper with what you actually do with that. And then you have your feet and your hands your boots and your fists, and what you carry out from your tongue and what you have chosen to do, what you've chosen to focus in on. So James is saying, in finishing up verse 2, he says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So, we have here, we all stumble in many ways, but if anyone does not stumble in many ways, he's able to guide and direct what his body actually does. So with that, there's some real important things to know in this passage as we reconcile. He just said we all stumble in many ways, but if anyone does not, okay, what do you do with that? And uh, fear not. Our lead pastor, Scott Harris, next week will answer all of your biblical questions in clarifying any of this and what the tongue says and does and wisdom and the relationship to that in any biblical question. So he will clear up everything. So stay tuned for next week. Um, But he says, "For for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Perfect man, strong words, right? Which reminds me of what Jesus says in Matthew 5. He says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And he right there in different words basically says what James says. We all stumble in many ways. You're not perfect and I'm not perfect and we can't be on our own. And that's part of the design. We need God We desperately need God and dependency on God. And he designed us in that same fashion, that we would be dependent on the Spirit. We would be dependent on God. And by ourselves, we cannot do that by design. He wants us to look to him. We need to look to him. Faith works. It requires faith. This life requires faith. A relationship with God requires faith. So in- interestingly enough, that word that Jesus uses, be perfect as your heavenly father's is perfect, is that same Greek word that James uses for perfect as well. And that is teleos, which means perfect, which also means complete, complete. So get this picture. So We are to be who God has made us to be and who God has designed us to be, and we cannot do that separate from God. He wants us to be free from the things that weigh us down, sin and lies and darkness and all those things that are not who he's made us to be, and he wants us to run free in the child of God that God has made us to be. Now, We will not be able to do that perfectly on this side of eternity and this side of heaven. So we wait for perfection until then, when there is no more sin. On this side, he calls us to be who he has made us to be. And he wants us to run in that freedom and be mature, which is Christ-likeness. telios, perfect, complete, fully mature. And that's what we're striving for, Christ-likeness, So, which we cannot do on our own. So I hope that helps in that. If not, Scott will clear it up. Let's skip another skim here, James 3, 3 through 8. James asked the question, who can tame the tongue? I'm going to let you read those five verses, uh, again, if you're wanting to. But we saw that James speaks to strong horses and being able to guide their body through a bit in their mouth, large ships in the elements of the uh, wind and waves being able to be guided as the pilot wants with the rudder, forests being set ablaze, wild animals being tamed. All of those things are possible, but no one can tame the world's tongue. It is full of a lot of evil. There's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of hurt and pain caused by the tongue. And so again, James is asking us as he examines our tongue, what does your tongue say about you? And in this sense, who is controlling who? Who is controlling who? Are you controlling your tongue or is your tongue controlling you. And you know it by the direction that you find yourself going and you find yourself being. If you find yourself in a fire, there's a reason, right? What does your tongue say about you? And then these next verses, 9 and 10, is where we're going to sink deeper, okay? skim in the surface to sink deeper here. Verse 9. With it, the tongue, are, with it we bless our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Notice the value that God has put on each and every individual human being. Notice the value. Notice the value of how he made us, and then notice the value that he has put on us. It says that he created us, he did, and he created us in his image and in his likeness, G- Genesis 1, and 27. And so with that, he has put, value on us as he has made us out of his own very mold. I know for me, my kids are precious to me. As they are made in my likeness, they are precious to me. And I would do anything for them. I would die for them. And my kids, though your kids are cute, mine are more precious to me. And I bet yours are more precious to you as well. Where did that come from? That came from God because that's who God is and that's how God works. He values all of us that same way. He put that same value on us and we know the value of us by the price that he would be willing to pay and the greatest, loudest demonstration of his love is this, is his son, as he sent his son and gave himself for us, and he says, I love you this much. So we know what he thinks about us by how he made us and the value he put on us. So if that's the case, why don't we value others that same way? I think there's a couple reasons. I think one reason is uh, maybe we don't value ourselves. Some of us, we don't value ourselves the way God values us. And there uh, could be a few reasons to that. Um, others have hurt us with their words of what they have said to us or what they've said about us. Words are powerful. Or things that they've done to us that we have walked away with certain hurts and flaws. Or, and, we've made mistakes. We've made mistakes and we have told ourselves certain things that are not true. And Satan is in all of that. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that those things are true. And every single one of us has to deal with that at one way or another. And some of us have dealt with more of that, but Satan is the adversary of our souls. He is the accuser of the brethren. Those are his names given. He is the father of lies. And so as he speaks lies through these weaknesses and through these opportunities of others in their imperfections and you in your imperfections and these faults and flaws that we all deal with in this world, he breathes those lies into our vulnerable hearts. And we don't value ourselves the same way. We don't see ourselves the way God sees us. And that's where we are needing healing. That's where we are needing the truth of God, the truth of God to penetrate our hearts, to penetrate those lies, to penetrate that darkness, and for his truth to shine bright. Because it is the truth that sets us free, free from lies, free from lies. And so I pray that that would be true for you, that you would allow God to minister to you, which requires Faith, doesn't it? If God speaks truth to you and to lies that you've embraced and received and believed, that requires faith. It requires you to trust God, which is vulnerable. It requires you to set aside things that maybe you're familiar with or have become comfortable and be uncomfortable in God's grace, in God's mercy, which is good, but it's uncomfortable if you don't believe you deserve it. And so what does God say? What's the value that he has actually put on you? So that would be one reason. That would be one reason why we don't value others, because we can't give away something to others that we don't have ourselves. Another reason would be uh, we simply do not get along well with others who have different thoughts and opinions than us, that are different than us. Yeah, come back here on that. Another reason that I think we don't value others the way that God does and the way that he calls us to is because we simply don't value, uh, we simply don't get along well with others that are different than us. And that could be whether uh, we're of different race, or different age, or social status, or economical status, or, or job titles and competencies, um, education generation, political views, and, 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 right? The list is endless about the different things that divide us and make us different. And there's some there's some truths to that. I mean, the adage of uh, a birds of a feather flock together. That, that's real. And in studying society, that's normal that we congregate and stay together with and hang out with those that are like-minded and like us and similar in all different respects. And there's some normalcy to that, that. It's natural to do that. But where we get off far too easily is where we start judging and criticizing and separating ourselves from others that don't think the exact same way that we do, that don't feel the exact same way that we do about the exact same issues, or don't respond the exact same way that we want them to. We have these expectations, we project them on others, and then we judge them and criticize them and separate ourselves from them because they are not exactly like us. Let me paint it this way let's do a sample test. If you asked a thousand couples, pretty large sample, you asked a thousand couples who are in relationship with one another would honestly say they have a good marriage, they have a good relationship, they love one another, and they're committed to one another. A thousand couples, they've uh, time tested, they're living it out. If you ask them, do both of you, each of you, every one of you agree the exact same about everything, how to handle money, how to handle conflict resolution, how to handle discipline, child rearing, and, and work, and free time. Do you guys both agree, a couple, the same? Do you feel the same? Do you respond the same? Do you think the same about everything? what do you already know to be true? No, there's not one couple that is the exact same. There's not one couple that are loving towards one another and committed towards one another that are the exact same. What does that tell you? Who did that? God did that. God did that. He did that on purpose. He did that with intentionality. He designed not two people the same. And was that a bad thing? No, that was a good thing. He did that on purpose. He likes variety, He likes diversity, and we all reflect Him in different ways. He did that on purpose. It's a good thing that we are different, that we see differently, that we think differently, that there are different causes that that resonate with us in different ways, that that there are different injustices that fire us up in different ways. There's different things that we fight for or that we have opinions about or that we see differently. And so what do we do with that? What do you do with those that are different than you? I have four kids, and each one of them is very different. Each is their own person, and they are distinct and unique from one another. grew up within the same home, and uh, for mine and my wife's desire for them is that they would be true to who they are, and free to run in that, that they would be themselves, that they would be honest, that they would be good friends, that they would have real relationships with us as parents, honest, authentic, genuine, and that they would be totally critical and judgmental of each other, That eventually they would have nothing to do with one another because they would see each other's differences and want nothing to do with one another as siblings. No. No. These things, my brothers, my sisters, these things ought not to be so. That's exactly where James is going here. With it, this tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, which we had earlier. And with it, we curse people who are also made in the same likeness of God, the same intrinsic value he's put on us. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. James is asking, what does your tongue say about you? What does your tongue say about you? What is it saying about your heart? What is it saying about your faith in your walk with God? As we wrap up here, I want to lead you as one of those teachers who will be judged more strictly, I want to lead you in taking two steps. Confess and bless. Two steps. Confess and bless. Confess, meaning agree with God with what he already sees. Admit what is already there. Be honest and have the conversation. Use your tongue in clearing up what needs to be cleared up. Confess. And then bless. Bless. Speak life. Speak truth, that which is true and good and lovely and pure and admirable. Put words behind it. Use your tongue to affirm, to encourage. So the two steps are this. Step one, God. In faith, with faith, to God, confess. Confess to God where you know you're off and agree with him with what he is pointing out. Confess. Have an honest conversation with God. And then bless. Bless him. Bless his name. Speak highly of him. Use your tongue to affirm what you know about him and how you've experienced him and his goodness and his mercy and his power and his compassion. Bless him. Bless his name. And then step two is works, faith works. We carry it to our feet and we put it to action. Confess, confess, make restoration with someone. Repair damage with someone. Confess, admit and go back and repair what is already there. Just put words to it. Who do you need to go to and confess? restore. For some of you, someone just came to mind. That's not an accident. Don't skip past that. That is the Spirit of God leading you into all truth. That's what he does. Follow the Spirit in that conversation. Confess. And bless. Bless. And maybe it's the same person or maybe it's another person, different person. But go to someone and use your tongue to bless them, to affirm them, to encourage them. Whether that's a FaceTime call, Zoom call, write a letter, send a text, have a conversation with someone and bless them. Speak life. Speak life. What does your tongue say about you? and what is God calling you to do? We wanna help you put your faith to action. In your relationship with the Lord, confess and bless with him. In your relationship with others, confess and bless with them. We're gonna give you some time right now to pray on that and then plan. Pray on it and then actually put some thoughts behind who do I need to? How am I going to do it? When am I going to do that? Take some time right now to join us. In that.